Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. At ViStar, we believe in better. Better convenience. So members can bank any way they want. Whether it's at a branch, on a mobile device, or at one of more than 20,000 fee-free ATMs across North America. We believe that people have better things to do with their time. If you believe that convenience is better, join ViStar. We never forget that it's your money. All loans subject to approval, insured by NCUA. Okay, and welcome into another edition of the Duly Noted Podcast here at Gatorsports.com. Appreciate everybody for uh, clicking on and uh, break some breaking news as we're now. You're listening to this. You're, it's old news to you, but to me it's breaking news. So um, I will talk about that to start off the show. And that it being the AAF has suspended its operations. Uh, and the only reason I'm talking about it is because of Steve Spurrier. If, if, if it was, and you know me, I love... I love these rogue leagues because I grew up covering the USFL, the WFL, the AFA, the American Football Association, with Don Gaffney, a quarterback, the Jacksonville Firebirds. Uh, I don't know that anybody's covered them all. but um, So I like these leagues, and I was paying attention to the league, but it just wasn't working. It wasn't – they weren't – nobody was going to games, and um, they just didn't have as money. I, I'm surprised as anybody – that they've suspended their operations, and now I guess the head ball coach will be back in Gainesville pretty soon, um, which is kind of sad. He was enjoying the hell out of it, and I feel bad for that. So, um, and, and and there are players that certainly we all remember, Chris Thompson and, and Leon Orr, who was playing really well. Earl Okine, I was actually getting ready to call down there and, and get him on the phone for an interview. He's playing – he's been playing great. Will Hill, all these guys – now I got to find real jobs, but uh, I, I'm sad whenever a league like that um, goes under. It's just I'd rather have there be a lot of leagues, and I think a little bit of it. I'm, I'm going to tell you a little bit of it was a fact. Sorry, I dropped my notebook there. Was the fact that ESPN chose to ignore it. Uh, ESPN has reported two stories on the AAF. One of them when they had some financial problems earlier when the guy uh, do, uh, put in the $250 million, and then now that they're folding. No reports of scores, none of that. And there's a reason for it, and it has to do with the, with the uh, XFL coming back, and that's going to be their league, so they're going to ignore the other one. So don't tell me they're journalists. It's entertainment, pure entertainment. All right, let's uh, talk a little bit of um, Gator football. Uh, really quiet weekend. Again, uh, it was probably um, would have been quiet anyway because Coach Mullen's father passed away and he was out of town for a while and just feel uh, my heart goes out to him because um, it's it's certainly never fun to have a parent leave. You know they're going to leave eventually, but it's never easy. And I feel bad for Coach Mullen 
And um, I know he's a very private person, so I haven't really reached out to him in any way just because I, I know he kind of values his privacy. Uh, so that said, uh, Florida will get back at it this week, and um, we're only a week away from the spring game, also known as the Masters, <laughs> which is what I like to call it. And uh, we'll see if anybody's really stands out. Uh, you, you know, it's like I've always said, spring games – there's nothing great that ever happens in a spring game. Um, uh, even if a guy looks great, if, if, if he makes – if like the worst thing that could happen in a spring game other than injuries – now injuries are the worst. Obviously, remember Ronald Powell getting hurt in the – I think it was Will Muschamp's first spring game. Injuries are the worst. But other than that, here's the worst thing that could happen. You got guys running wide open the whole day. And the and the quarterback can't find them, or they drop the passes. Then you got a problem because that means you're not covering and you're not executing. Uh, but even then, you've got a lot of time to uh, get over it. So, um, but I, I just I think people are excited. I'm curious now. Again, I don't know what the weather's going to be like next Saturday. I haven't looked it up. I'm curious what kind of crowd we're going to see there. Uh, whether it's going to be a, a like for some reason. UF, University of Florida, the football program, it's not a put 70,000 people in the stands for a spring game kind of place. And I'm I'm not saying – I think it's great what they do at Alabama. I think it's great. Now, again, they've got a little bit more tradition, a little bit more – it's a little bit bigger deal. Let's just face it. It is. Um, Doesn't mean you don't care as much as they do, but it's a bigger deal. Uh, Georgia certainly has done a great job of, of packing their place. Um, but Florida fans are kind of – it's a spring game. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to get too excited about it. They would show up more for a celebration than a spring game. Uh, and I'm not sure how much it helps you. If you end up with 25,000 people there, does it help you that much? Because, like, Urban's big thing used to always be the great thing about being here is we can go out there and have a – it's, it's a simulated game, you know, because there's so many people there. And they were drawn better then. But, again, this goes back to what we've been talking about over and over on this show, on this podcast, and I'm going to talk about it again today, which is people aren't any less interested in college football than they are they were 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 100 years ago. There, there is, it's, the sport can, has never been stronger in terms of interest. But attendance dropped again this year, and there's a – we all know the reasons for it, so I'm going to get into that a little bit. Um, but um, you know, so we'll see what happens in the spring. But if you know, again, you hope you hope it's a nice day, a perfect day. What seventy, sunny, maybe a little cloud cover occasionally, um, and then you end up having a nice crowd. But again, it, it, it's you you got to deal with a lot of things in terms of crowd and everything. And I know the home shows going on at the same time, I believe. I believe baseball's playing right afterwards, so you never know how all that goes. Anyway, it doesn't really matter. Has anybody won a national championship because they had a great spring day crowd? Well, yeah, sure. Clemson had a great spring day crowd last year. You know what else they had? A chance to win the national title. Alabama, they won the national championship, and they had 80,000 people for their spring. Well, there's a reason why they were there. Um. I don't know. I, I feel like I'm jabbering here and not really making a point. But we go back, because I'm going to get to basketball in a minute. We go back to what I talked about earlier with the lack of crowds. 
and a story that came out uh, last week that I want to get to. Something that's going on with Florida, or I'm sorry, with FSU in Georgia, and what it might mean where we're heading in the future. And don't forget, we'll have Tony Barnhart on in a little bit. Well, right now, though, we have to take our first break here on the Duly Noted Podcast at Gatorsports.com. The Gators are definitely on a roll under Coach Mullen, and next year should be even better. Winning is great for the program, but not for everything. Did you know what winning also does? It creates difficulty finding hotel rooms around game day. Oh, no. Most hotels triple their normal rates and charge at least two nights minimum. What? And if the Gators really start winning, everything will be sold out way in advance. No! No! Have you ever thought about owning your own place in Gainesville to use for you and your friends and family on game day weekends? Call Betsy Pepin, the top realtor in Gainesville and sponsor of the Dewey Noted Podcast at 352-226-8474. And she'll help you find that perfect place for whenever you come to Gainesville. And when you're not using the place, she'll Airbnb it and take care of all the details. Betsy makes it easy for you to enjoy game day weekends instead of paying five-star rates for a one-star motel. Own your game days next year. Call Gainesville's number one realtor, Betsy Pepin, today. 352-226-8474. 352-226-8474. Okay, back on the podcast, um... Again, I think we only have two more of these after this one to go. Uh, then I'm going to go get my knee sliced open and uh, take pretty much – I'm not taking the summer off. I'm going to be working, but I'm not going to be doing podcasts until we get deeper into probably the beginning of August, maybe late July. Maybe when – the perfect time might be when I get back from SEC Media Days. And, I, again, I'm assuming we're going to go, uh, assuming we're going to – be there for a lot of it. Robbie and I have kind of been bouncing around possibilities, um, but looking forward to it. It will feel like it's the beginning of football season because Florida season is moved up so far. And I'm going to get into some spreads in a minute. But the one thing I did want to get to, and um, and then we'll talk some hoops, is this the this again? It continues to drop. Attendance continues to drop in football. It did again this year. Um, in fact, I saw this story that um, that Dennis Dodd did and it talked about you know the the percentages were really a little bit alarming how bad they were but again this is the way it is this is just the way it's going to be it's not going to be where all of a sudden oh attendance sharp rise I know that's not going to happen it's harder than ever to go to football games when you have going on what you got going on the ability to watch a bunch of games, the ability to watch every game in the world. Um, and Florida, I will, I'm given uh, Scott Strickland a lot of credit, has worked very hard to try to make it a better experience for you to go to the game. And we've talked about how they're going to eventually, there's going to be a decrease in, in capacity. And, and it's, a, it's the right move. And it's a move everybody's going to have to make eventually. You've got to make it a special event. I was talking to Scott about this with baseball because, you know, I was just saying, why why did the students ne- – they get into basketball, they get into football, although well, football has kind of faded off a little bit only, and that's probably going to change a little bit. But you never see a lot of students at baseball games, you know, having craziness. And he and I both talked, and the reason is quick, pretty simple. 
that's not a stadium anybody wants to go to. It's not a great stadium. It's a perfect example, and, I, and this is this is me totally whining, but you can't sit on the first row in the press box on a, on a noon game. I got a sunburn the other day, and you can't see your screen. I mean, it was just poorly designed, the whole stadium. I, I've railed for years about that Disney Plaza. I've never understood the concept of that. Okay, I would have done something totally different. Even once you built that, I would have done something different. But the point of all this is there the new stadium is going to be totally different. He is so excited about where that's going to be headed and all the stuff they're going to do to try to get the students more involved. And it's going to be um, that, that's going to be interesting. But that's what you're trying to do with football. You're trying to get the students more involved, but at the same time, you're going to cut back the number of student tickets that are allowed. Because they're not they're not filling it up, and that's look. If you cut down to eighty, this is what we we talked about a couple of weeks ago. If you take, um, first of all, you say, well, we're only giving two thousand the opponents because they're not showing up either. I've, I've chronicled that over and over and over again. They're not coming to games here. You know, the one team that will come, Auburn will come this year because Auburn hadn't been here in forever. Texas A and M came a couple of years ago. Because they never been here, they had a they had a nice crowd, you know, six seven thousand, whatever it was. LSU's not coming two year next year. They don't want to come back here. They've been here too many times. It's just not worth the effort and the money. But what's interesting to me is that Florida State and Georgia have committed to play in in two thousand twenty seven and two thousand twenty eight, and. I'm I'm sensing, and I've talked to Scott about this. Scott has been trying like heck to book some uh, Power Five teams. They want to do some home and homes with them. Power Five teams, not alleged national champions. They want to do more of them, but they're hard to get. Um, and they've got to schedule way out, which is what. I, I, so don't be surprised if you hear something in the next few weeks about Florida playing, I, and I'm just throwing a team out there, Kansas, Dayton, or somebody like that, or um, I'm just throwing names, okay, Boston College, for example, in a home-and-home, home, right? Because would you go to Boston? Like They may play at Fenway Park, but would you go to Boston to see the Gators play football? You'd think about it, and people from that area – who are Gator fans, and there's tons of them, would would go. That's what they're looking to do, those kind of deals. But you're not going to, you know, you're going to only allow 2,000 or so opponents, fans, you're going to reduce your student tickets, and guess what? You haven't cost any of your season ticket holders um, opportunities to have a seat. But I'm wondering if if this is going to be, for example, this is Georgia in 2028, um, they play Texas, Florida State, and Georgia Tech and eight conference games right now. That means there's only going to be one cupcake. And we all salute you, Georgia, for doing that because we all, obviously by 2028, I'll hopefully still be around and I'll be sitting on my recliner watching all the – hopefully I have a new recliner by then and we'll be sitting around watching those games. And I'm, I'm, that excites me. The next year they play Texas, Clemson, and Georgia Tech. So that's where I think you're you're gonna see this. It's gonna take a little while, but I think you know I think maybe there was a fear 
first of all, you you need to get the the money and for home games. But as this continued decline in attendance is going on, I think people realize you better give them a good product. It's not enough to say, "Hey, we're going to have a concert. We're going to have a concert in the in the uh, O'Connell Center." Okay? And we're going to have it's going to be unbelievable. We're going to have the Bo Brummels. Or we're going to have um Bobby Sherman. I think he's still alive. <laughs> or we're going to have um I mean, I'm trying to think really nothing bands. But I I don't I can't really give you one right now that's a really nothing band cuz then I probably wouldn't know them. The Lemon Pipers. How about that? We're going to bring No, you say, "Hey, we're going to bring the Stones in." Oh, yeah. Then we're going to go to the Stones. And we're going to bring in, uh, you know, you don't, you don't fill up the, the, uh, the football stadium for, uh, you know, the Avid Brothers, who I love desperately. But you don't fill up the football stadium, but you do for Garth Brooks. I mean, you've got to bring in Garth Brooks and the Rolling Stones. That's what Florida I, – I know they're trying to do, and I know they're going to make the effort to do. And I think more and more teams are going to do this. And I think you're going to see more and more teams just continue to schedule better. I think it's a trend, and it may take a while. And maybe part of it is, look, the better teams you play, the better your chances are to win, believe it or not, win the – get into the playoff. If you have a weak non-conference – because, look, if it ever goes to eight, you better be playing a good conference a non-conference schedule. Much like basketball. You know, Florida gets in without a ton of quality wins just because they played so many good teams in basketball. So let's turn to basketball. Okay, by the way, uh, just one more other note on that. Illinois is now going to serve beer for their football games. That, look, eventually, maybe by 2027, you're going to be able to go to a game, you're going to sit in the chair back seat, you're going to have some sort of way to shade, have some shade or whatever, um, you're going to be able to have a beer while you sit there and watch the game. You're going to be able to uh, be comfortable. You're going to be able to get out of your chair and go find a place to be comfortable if you're too hot. All that stuff is going to happen, and you're you're not going to want to get out of your chair because Georgia's got the ball on the Texas two-yard line, right? I think I made my point, but maybe not. And if I haven't, I apologize. Let's talk college basketball. Obviously, um, if you watch this weekend like I did, it was just amazing basketball. Um, it's it's really a kind of a weird feeling for me, to be honest with you. Because I feel like it's over now for me. Because, look, obviously when Florida's playing, you're into that. It's your part of it. That Elite Eight Sweet 16 weekend is usually the better weekend. I think it's becoming that. And my theory, because it used to be about all the upsets and everything, my theory is that teams are getting better, and I don't know why, but I, I just feel like the older teams, and that you, you're going to have a, the older teams, and then you're going to have these freshman phenoms, and they're all going to be really good. I think that's where basketball is headed. No more 12s. and They'll always be Oregon like this year. They'll always be there, you know. Loyal to Chicago was a once in a lifetime thing, but I think it's just going to be the best teams. It doesn't mean the best team wins a national championship. In fact, I think most of us would probably say it, it won't. Uh, 
Or you could say Duke was lucky to even get out of the freaking um, round of 32. Lucky. Pure luck. Acknowledged it as luck. Then they were lucky to get out of the next round. And then they got beat. So maybe they weren't the best team. But it was so much fun to watch. It really was. I did. I was telling my wife after the Kentucky uh, Auburn game, I feel like I need to go take a shower. Not just because Bruce Pearl's sweating all over the place, and it was phenomenal. It's world class sweat. I mean, that guy, he sweats like Shaq. Or as we always like to say, I'm sweating like a Robbie. But. It was because I don't like Bruce Pearl and I find him to be phony and disingenuous and I I I think he's a cheater. I think he I think he cheated at Tennessee and I think he's cheating at Auburn. How many assistant coaches have they had to let go because they were involved in illegal recruiting? I'm not gonna get on a big Bruce Pearl rant. I don't like Bruce Pearl, but I had to root for him. I had to root for him. Obviously against Kentucky, because as you know, I have a big thing with Kentucky. Now, I will not be purchasing a an Auburn jer- uh, T-shirt this year, though. I'm not going to go that far. Not this. Not with this class. Not with this. Uh, look, if if Wofford had beaten them, I would have proudly worn that Wofford T-shirt around. I do have a new T-shirt coming though, and it comes from the University of Gonzaga. I think it's actually Gonzaga University for their win over FSU. So, if you see me in the Gonzaga shirt, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, but I'm happy. I'm really happy for Tony Bennett when I've dealt with him. And really, there's only there have only been the two times that Florida beat him in the NCAA tournament. Just a class act. Really seemed to like him. You know, it may be that he's a big phony and not a good person, but everybody I talk to thinks he's a good person. I like their team. I like watching their team play. There were a lot of teams I liked more than normal this year. Uh, it was kind of weird. Like, I loved North Carolina's team. I loved the Virginia team to watch them. I loved Gonzaga watching them play basketball. It was a, that part; those parts of it were a lot of fun. Um, so I'm happy for him. Happy for uh, Tom Izzo because I I like Tom Izzo a lot. Um, but I really don't care who wins. I mean, I guess I don't want Auburn to win it because of Bruce Pearl. But other than that, I I don't. I guess I'll watch. But to me, this war this was wore, wore me out. All my negative rooting was just it wore me out. I had so much to deal with this year. I had to get FSU out of the tournament. I had to get Kentucky out of the tournament. I had to get LSU out of the tournament. Yes, LSU, not just because, um, you know, it's kind of a rivalry built on football and we all know what's happened there, but I don't want a team that suspended their coach because they, we all know the story. I don't want them winning. I want them losing. Get them out. I want them out. So I had to root against them. That was a lot of negative rooting there. Obviously, I had a root against uh, Auburn and then ended up rooting for them. Seems like there was one other team I'm leaving out. But um, so I'm worn out and I miss it. I miss the tournament already. I, I was thinking about that today. I really miss the NCAA tournament because to me, it's kind of over now. Yeah, you get three games. Yeah, well, they'll crown a champ. Eh, doesn't do much for me. Last weekend did a lot for me, and I appreciate it. Um, certainly some news going out, and uh, a lot of it in the SEC. 
And we will deal with that. I got so much to get to still. Maybe I've gone on too long, but I want to bring Tony Barnhart on here, Mr. College Football, to talk about uh, college football. He visited Alabama recently and what he had Nick Saban had to say. All that and more coming up after we take a break here on the Duly Noted Podcast at Gatorsports.com. At ViStar, we believe in better, especially in helping build a better financial future for our members. So we've reviewed our offerings from the ground up. We've lowered or eliminated over half our fees and enhanced our already competitive rates, saving members more than a million dollars this year, in addition to the millions we save them every year. If you believe that saving money is better, join ViStar. We never forget that it's your money. All loans subject to approval, insured by NCUA. All right, welcome back to the Duly Noted Podcast at Gatorsports.com. It's always an honor to be joined by Mr. College Football, Tony Barnhart, uh, who I've known for probably two, I don't know, we've known each other for so long, it just means we're old though, doesn't it? <laughs> That's exactly what it means, but but the, here's the thing, Duly, we're, we're still here, yes, okay? Right. <laughs> <laughs> we, are, we, we are still, after all the journeys and all the stuff, we're still here. Yeah, and it's, you know, we're kind of uh, in a lull with college football. Even with the spring, like, I don't think there's anything less interesting than spring football um, unless something bad happens. You know, the, right. the only real great story that you would freak out about would be somebody getting severely injured or quitting a team or something like that. Yeah, I, I, one of the, I'm still doing my little spring tour. I don't get to as many schools as I used to, but I had a chance to – you know, sit down with Nick Saban uh, last week, which was which was kind of interesting and fun. And Alabama's the only place in the world where you go fourteen and one, and ninety nine percent of the time is spent talking about the one. Sure, uh, uh, but it's uh, it is a much more relaxed place because not a whole lot is going on. But it's uh, it's amazing people still want to read about it because uh, because yeah. as soon as March Madness is over. As soon as the final four is over, people want to, you know, let's let's talk about football. Yeah, and to me, March Madness ends last weekend because the final yeah. four itself, you know, it takes a lot. I, I, you know, unless you're t- you got you got a dog in the hunt, doesn't mean a whole lot to me. But um, and certainly, a lot of people are around here. That's look, we start off every podcast talking football, even in sure. basketball season, because that's that's what what happens around here, as we all know. But. Uh, you know, I, I was curious what what Nick feels like because obviously, getting his defense torched and his secondary torched was almost mm-hmm. like walking up to Nick Saban, slapping him in the face and insulting his family. I mean, that was right. about as bad as it gets for Nick Saban. Does he feel like he has the answers? Yeah, he does. He does. He he really feels that a lot of last year they you know they they got off to such a fast start they were dominating people. As the year went along, you know, two two was going to win the Heisman Trophy. All those things were going to happen, and then he, he said something interesting. Um, and I got this Q and A coming up tomorrow on um, TMG College Sports. Right. He said something interesting. He said after the LSU game, they they beat LSU twenty nine to nothing, just dominate. He said after the LSU game, we just seem to lose our edge. I, you know, it's. With him, it's always a lot of little things. It's, it's nothing you and I would ever see, okay? It's, it's, it's him and where he sets the bar. And he just said, you know, I'm sitting there complaining to the guys about we're not doing this, we're not doing that, but we're still winning. And so right. he has he is, he is completely rebuilt his coaching staff. He was very candid about that. 
and so it's going to be interesting. And you know what, Pat? When we get to SEC media days, Alabama's going to be picked to win the West and Georgia's going to be picked to win the East. Yeah. Guess what? That's not going to change. It hasn't. But, you know, it, one thing that I think, the, the to me, one of the most admirable things about what Nick Saban's done at Alabama, because I see it here happen, and, and not all, the athletes don't always get it, and they have to kind of – some do and some don't, are the number of athletes who understand that when, when, when you go to town, when you come to town, or when somebody comes to your place, it's the biggest thing in the world for them. Yeah. And they are playing. They're not even playing this year's team. They're playing all the championships you've won, and and that and to maintain and continually keep going back, I think is impressive. No, it is. And and the thing the thing that jumps off the page about Alabama is how consistent they have been under Saban. I mean, what their worst, you know, take away his first season, '07, when they had all kinds of issues. Right. In in '08, they go undefeated regular season. Oh nine they go undefeated regulars. Ever since the the two thousand seven season, I think the number is three. They have played three football games in ten years that if they lost it, it wouldn't have a negative impact on the national championship. In other words, they haven't played they've only played three games in ten years that didn't have a national championship implication right. to it. And their worst season in ten years was ten and three. The worst, okay. Yeah, that's that kind. Of, you're not supposed to be able to be that good that long in college football today. Yeah, this day and age, it's it's incredible, especially. But uh, I've been doing you know a, a few shows this time of year, and people keep asking me this, and I and I kind of my my basic statement on it is this: there's Georgia, and then the second tier there's Florida, and then the third mm-hmm. tier is the rest of the East. And and I only say that I wouldn't have said that a year ago. I mean, I've seen the Dan Mullen what he's been able to do, and, and also I've seen the athletes change physically and right. mentally. And I think that they're on a, a higher tier than even though Kentucky beat them, even though Missouri always well, seems to beat them. I think they're on a little bit higher tier. But then there's Georgia ahead of everybody else. No, I, I totally agree with that. I totally agree. Listen, Georgia uh, has it recruited exceptionally well in, in, in Kirby Smart's three, four years there. Uh, they're a really good football team, and oh, by the way, they signed the number two class uh, last December. So they are they are where they are. But, but what I have said is that Florida is closing the gap, and they have done that. I thought I thought Dan Mullen and Mark Stoops got the most out of their roster to win ten games with their roster. I thought they got the most out of their team and developed their players. And uh, Florida's, Florida's just headed in the right direction. If you're a Gator fan, I don't think this is the year that you're going to supplant Georgia in the SEC East, but you are closing the gap. Well, and, and I think there is a little bit – I'm sure there is a little bit of a concern over on the uh, – in the, in the Florida offices, that they are seem, seemingly getting this incredible amount of love because of the 10 wins and because of the bull win. Uh, but this is a team replacing almost its entire offensive line. And I, I have a hard – maybe it's just that I see it up close. I have a hard time getting too optimistic about this team. Well, the, but the question – that's true. But the question is this. Look at who they're going to play. Uh, yeah. They're, they're, they're going to be better. You sit there and look. Now they they got, they got to play Auburn in Gainesville. They got to, obviously got to play LSU as they always do this time. Baton Rouge, 
But other than that, you know, they they met and Georgia, of course, they match they match up very very well with the people that they're going to play. And so, uh, like I said, I I still see Florida as the number two team in the East. But if I'm a Gator and I'm looking to the future, I feel good about where we're headed. Let me ask you about uh, something Dennis wrote. Dennis Dodd, of course, we were as a good friend of both of ours. Uh, recently about how uh, again the attendance dropped and 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 uh, college mm-hmm. football and my and my take is look it's not going to ever come back it's it's just going to continue you mm-hmm. you've got to basically make your stadiums a little smaller and a little nicer and I know that's, that's what exactly. what Florida's plan is and then I see FSU and Georgia are going to play in those was it twenty seven twenty eight. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I think teams are starting to realize we can't bring Towson in here. You know, we nope. can't we can't bring Chattanooga in here. We can do it once, but we can't do it two or three times like some teams have done. Uh, this spring, I've had this discussion with every coach I've talked to and every athletic director I've talked to. They know what they have to do, okay, and they have to do exactly what you said. They've got to to make the game day experience premium it's got to be you know if, if every if every school in the conference could take down their stadium by 10,000 seats and replace them with luxury suites they would do it in a heartbeat because it, it, it's all about making the game day experience special uh, I have talked to Georgia about this I talked to Saban about this the other, the other day Saban, Saban wants to go all radical he's got the most radical idea of all he wants to play nine conference games and the other three have to be against Power 5 teams. Nothing but Power 5 opponents. He said people are not going to come to these games. Right. They're not They're not going to pay the money. The fans have made their decision. You know, going, you know, going to watch a game in the Swamp is a great adventure, but I am not going to spend all that money and sit in traffic and sit in the heat to watch you play Western Carolina. Now, no disrespect to Western Carolina, but fans are not – they're going to give the tickets away. Oh, they're just not going to come. Okay, they're right. just not going to come, and this, and the ads are catching on to this. But they've got the scheduling nut is going to be the toughest thing to crack. Is getting off that that Georgia has already told me, Pat. Georgia's scheduling model in the future, they're going to play eight conference games. They're going to play Georgia Tech, and they're going to try to play two more home and homes like Clemson, like Florida State, like Notre Dame, like Texas. That to me, that's the future scheduling. And that's part of the problem right now for ADs is even scheduling ten years, eight, nine years in advance. It's hard to find a team that'll that'll do a home and home with you. So you've got to you've got to find the right partner. And um, please don't bring up UCF around here. So <laughs> they, they had hey they had their shot. It's right. He is Tony Barnhart. We appreciate his time. We'll take a break. We'll come back with more here on the Duly Noted Podcast at GatorSports.com. Okay, thanks to Tony. Uh, appreciate everybody being back here. A um, couple things that have happened in college basketball, and, and I'm always reluctant to talk about coaching changes when you're doing a show a Tuesday afternoon, and by Wednesday it could be irrelevant. But I'm still going to talk about them. It looks like it looks like uh, A&M is going to hire Buzz Williams. I think he's told his team he's going there. The SEC continuing to make these strides 
This is a basketball league now, man. It is a. It's still football first, but basketball has jumped up drastically, and you saw it with seven teams in after eight teams in financially. This is what the funny thing. I don't know. I don't know why exactly what the genesis of it was, but at some point it was almost like Mike Sly did the math and figured out, hey, if we get a lot of teams in. And they advance, we're going to make a lot more money, and that's more money for every school and for our office. Now, I'm sure he, there wasn't a light up that went on where he thought that, but it was almost like he took it seriously and made these strides and really made effort and turned the SEC into a basketball conference. And Greg Sankey is now, has continued it and is reaping the rewards. But you go get Buzz Williams out of the ACC, that's a hell of a hire. And if Arkansas gets uh, Kelvin Sampson? Which is there? There's some talk of I don't or beard. Do they have to? They may have to wait till after the tournament. There's a lot of talk about that. And then Jerry. Then you see what Vandy's doing. Jerry Stackhouse. Um, no college experience. Doesn't mean it won't work. Doesn't mean it won't work. It's it it has worked with some guys. Some guys it doesn't work. But he has been a coach in the G League and D League and. I think he was in the AAF too, um, but he's buddies with Malcolm Turner. He knows him from that. Uh, I don't know that the name Jerry Stackhouse recruits anybody. These kids didn't, don't know Jerry Stackhouse. I mean, there's things I'm sure he can do to remind him of who he was, how great a player he was. It's a it's an odd hire, I think. And a lot of people at Alabama upset that Nate Oates was hired there and uh, Paul Feinbaum's one of them it was a strange hire I thought um you know he did a nice job in a couple years took over Bobby Hurley's team at Buffalo but I I get the sense a lot of people are underwhelmed by that hire and I'm a little bit underwhelmed by it we'll see and we'll see what LSU ends up doing that's the one that's the wild card there and hiring. And here's the problem LSU's run into. As we go through this cycle here of coaches changing, they're going to be – they can't do anything about it because they haven't decided what they're doing with their coach that they've got suspended right now. They're, they're, I'm sure there is a movement. Look, the idiots, and they are idiots – who were free free uh, Will Wade and get rid of Oliva. Yeah, get rid of Oliva. I'm all for. But if you want your cheating coach back, you deserve what you get, which could be NCAA probation. The truth is, I don't know the, the legal ramifications of everything, but they've got to cut him loose eventually. The trouble is if they don't get this resolved soon, who are they going to get to come in and coach him? How much does that hurt their recruiting there? Blah, blah, blah. It's just a, a, a crazy time in the uh, SEC in basketball. There's no question about it. Uh, and, of course, it's declaration time right now because people are either declaring for the draft, declaring to stay. I, th- I saw where uh, uh, Petty from Alabama has taken his name out of the transfer portal. Florida, obviously, uh, is looking at some guys they, they'd like to get in. Uh, they're continuing to recruit and, and do a great job of recruiting. I uh, We'll see where it all goes. All right, that's enough for basketball. I got to get to three things, but first I want to do the spreads that I saw the other day. 
and the five most interesting spreads I saw. These are er, er, these are the games that stand out. So they they've already laid the odds. By the way, Florida eight and a half point favorite over Miami. Um, I I mean I think that's a pick 'em game right now. But I, again, I don't know if Tate Martell can play a lick, and that's what we'll find out. I guess that Saturday. Uh, the Gators also fourteen and a half over Tennessee. And four-point underdogs to Georgia. All that sounds about right. But there were five that kind of got me. Where I went, what? Number one, Texas A&M, 21-point underdog to Clemson. It makes you want to run to Vegas and lay some money down. They played a nip-and-tuck down-to-the-wire last-second game last year. A&M's going to be really good again this year. Clemson's going to be great. I don't think I think they may get a little overwhelmed at Clemson, but 21 is a lot of points. The second one that caught me by surprise was Florida being favored over LSU in Baton Rouge. And this goes back to what I was talking about where I think Florida's getting almost too much love in the offseason. Um LSU was really good last year too. Florida beat them on, a, on at home in a nip and tuck game. I'm surprised at that. Uh, these, that's what I'm saying. These are the ones that surprised me. Oklahoma being 11.5-point favorite over Texas. Seems like a lot. Texas finished the season strong. Oklahoma changing quarterbacks. But that, that's that whole, hey, we need to get money on Texas. So let's set the spread high. By the time the game rolls around, we'll have it down to about four or five points. That's the way it works in, in the gambling world. Miami, uh, a point and a half underdog at FSU. Um, surprises me a little bit. And then Army, 10-point favorite over Navy. Remember when Navy was just dominating that? And Maybe you don't. Maybe you don't pay attention. But I have, and, and I'm a little bit surprised to see that. These teams are favored to win every game they play. Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, Memphis, Washington, Michigan, and Oklahoma. So there's that for you. All right, let's go ahead and get to three things. It's time for three things. Number one is, I've written it down this way, the Kelly Barnhill dilemma. I don't know what's going on there. She's given up an awful lot of home runs. Uh, the softball team's struggling. Uh, they don't have two players that really are hitting for them, as we, we've we chronicled. They're 3-6 and six in the league. She had two walk-offs uh, already this year in conference play against her. Uh, she gutted it out and pitched 15 innings on Friday and, and wins that game. You're like, wow, that's the Kelly Barnhill. And then turns around, hits a batter with the bases loaded to force extra innings, gives up a salami in the extra innings, and then loses on Sunday. The obvious, I don't know if answer is the right way, but the obvious uh, thing you'll take from it is they're using her just too much. They don't really have that second great pitcher. All this stuff are things I care about because I care about every sport. I try to. Although I did mention in my column, I men's tennis kind of snuck up on me. I didn't see them being that good. I didn't see them. And I'm, I, I will say this. I'm kind of thinking, not kind of thinking, I'm thinking about next weekend – at least trying to get over there, see if they can go undefeated in the SEC. That, that would be quite an accomplishment. But I digress. All right, let's go to number two. And number two is a um, 
Every time I say number two, I go, who does number two work for? Um, every time I think of these women's the women's basketball tournament, it's like I told somebody, I hate to say it, but I, I like I like all sports. I haven't watched any of it. It's just when the men are playing, I don't know that there's an answer though. Like to me, either you're 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 watching because your team is playing from your school, you're a Baylor fan or whatever, or you're a women's basketball fan. That's not a big audience, and I I would be curious to see how what the ratings were like. Can you name the four teams that are in the Final Four? It's in Tampa, right? Four teams that are in the Final Four. Quick, go, boom. Yeah, well, the first thing you go, UConn. Yeah, well, they are. But the point is, I don't know that there's an answer to get away. They've tried to get away by playing, uh, a, you know, a day later than the Sweet Sixteen or the, or I'm sorry, the Elite Eight. I, I just don't know that there's an answer, but it's it's hard to kind of get into it. Oregon's in it. I know that because they upset Mississippi State, right? Although they had them at home, which a two-seed had a one-seed at home. That, there you go. It's hard to take that seriously. All right, I've talked enough about women's basketball, so let's go to number three. And you're going to say, why are you talking about Notre Dame baseball? Well, I saw this story, and I was just blown away by a stat. Okay, Notre Dame stole 14 bases in their game against Chicago State, right? So you're like, your first thought is, man, come on, that that's it's kind of lame to be stealing that many bases against Chicago State. They only won six to three. They needed every one of those stolen bases, and I, I just found that to be really interesting. But then they had the story: the most stolen bases ever, nineteen seventy-eight. St. John stole twenty-two bases in a game. That must have been fun to cover. That must have been a real gem. All right. <laughs> I just found that interesting, and I hope you found some of what I've talked about today interesting. Next week, I'm going to talk about the number one thing Dan Mullen needs to do next year, the number one thing. He did the number one thing he needed to do last year, and he needs to do the number one thing this year. If he just keeps doing what I tell him to do, he's going to be great. And we'll talk, we'll preview the spring game a little bit more, just what to expect and that kind of thing. And um, look forward to uh, next week's show. All right. Thank you so much for listening in. Thank you so much to Tony Barnhart. Uh, Until next week, I'm Pat Dooley. I'm a sports columnist at the Gainesville Sun. I am deep. I am way back. And I am out of here. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.